Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. This edition of The Kellen and Alex Show was recorded on August 13th, 2020, and we get into the big news. Kamala Harris has joined the Joe Biden campaign as the vice president candidate. Has the left officially moved so far left that uh, you really can't elect them? Um, Kamala Harris is definitely one of the most radical uh, candidates we've ever seen. Uh, paired up now with Joe Biden. Uh, what does this mean? Uh, what will we see moving forward? Is mail-in voting going to work or are we going to have a very tumultuous November? Uh, we also get into the upcoming UFC fight, Daniel Cormier versus Steve Miocic, number three. We get into sports, NCAA sports saying they're not going to have any championships. The corona shutdowns as well as the quarantine rooms at Franciscan University. Craziness, craziness. All that and more on this edition of the Kellen and Alex Show. And remember that we are not descended from fearful men. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Five, four, three. The Kellen and Alex Show. Zero. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. You know, did it surprise people that he picked her, Kamala Harris? I mean, she was pretty prominent. She fits his description of what he's looking for in a candidate, uh, a running mate rather, um, somebody who will appeal. This is the big thing for me. She appeals to the people who are so far left that they think Joe Biden is just not even worth their time, right? Uh, I, I think, you know, it was a very interesting move. They didn't pick somebody who was, you know, similar to Joe in their, let's say, middle of the road left policies. They picked someone who is kind of at the forefront of, pushing very much radical left policies, very socialist policies. Um, and so the hope is, right, that they can manipulate Joe to do a lot more uh, crazy stuff than he'd be normally willing to do under normal circumstances. Um, if you look at the Democrat National Convention, um, they're having Bernie Sanders, obviously, is one of the main speakers, but also Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez will be one of the main speakers um, in a slew of Democrat um, shenanigans going on at the DNC, but um, it just shows you the new face of the Democrat Party is not, you know, Joe Biden. It, it kind of was Obama for a while, but it's moved so far left that they're trying to find um, they they're they're finding new and new crazies to represent more and more radical positions. Uh, you know, Medicare for all. Illegal, illegal immigrants are given uh, the exact same rights as U.S. citizens. Um, there's just so many policies that you're thinking, how would any, why would anyone vote for these things? Um, there's an interesting video that went around uh, on the Portland protest where, where somebody was interviewing uh, people at the Portland protest. And, uh, and uh, he showed a clip of the Tucker Carlson. Tucker Carlson will, will talk about um, the Portland protesters and say they're Joe Biden voters. And uh, this guy on the street was asking him, like, what do you think of Joe Biden? And nearly all of them were like, we, we hate him. We don't like Joe Biden. He doesn't represent us. He's not the one who's going to bring the revolution. And, uh, and, and you can see with these protesters and these anarchists that it truly is revolution that they're seeking after. It's not let's try and, you know, reverse the, the things that Donald Trump's done. It's not just Let's get a Democrat in office that's going to in enforce more um, caring policies than Trump. It's, it really is an attack at American democracy, at the American system, at the American way of doing things. Um, and, and I wanted to get in this first part of the podcast into a, a really fantastic article 
written in uh, the website newdiscourses.com. Uh, this article, uh, let me read the title, is The Cult Dynamics of Wokeness. <laughs> and this first line says, You must understand racism and admit that you cannot understand racism. You must admit your complicity in racism and pledge to do better, knowing that it is impossible to do better. You must be an ally, but accept that you will always do your allyship, allyship wrong. This is the cult dynamic of wokeness. And the author in, in this article, um, he, he's a specialist in uh, psychology of religion, and he was comparing what we, we're seeing now with the what people call the radical left. I, I titled the, this, this stream The Radical Cult, uh, as it's really become. Um, and the dynamics of entering into this mode of thinking, um, that America is systemically racist, uh, that we, we've had this hangover from the colonial era where people still believe white supremacy. Um, so he goes through different cult dynamics that this radical leftist ideology uh, takes on. One of the first things he points out is um, emotional vulnerability as being one of the things that cults exploit. Uh, so oftentimes uh, the cult will uh, exploit the, obviously the fear of death is a big one, right? So you say, okay, you know uh, you're going to die. So you say there's a, uh, there's some higher power. Um, and then, you know, if it's, if it's, you know, let's say a bad cult or whatever, you're, you're exploiting that fear of death and this guy has the answer, right? Uh, Jim Jones or, or some other uh, cult leader has the answer. Um, and then you're ready to be initiated into the cult because it solves that fear, that emotional vulnerability. Um, another one of those vulnerabilities is like personal guilt, let's say personal sins that you've had in the past. Um, if you convince the person you're a sinner and this particular person's going to solve your problems, right? So in the same dynamic is present in this kind of leftist policies, uh, policies and, um, uh, this author points to it as the concept of white fragility, and also you could say uh, like the uh, the the guilt of slavery is put on the white race, and so you have to pay it back. Um, so just recently, so this was actually just today, the Department of Justice declared that uh, Yale University had been discriminating against white and Asian students. And that uh, they're not compliant with the 1964 Civil Rights Act, which is a huge deal, right? And, and so they're they're rejecting uh, that that African Americans are four times more likely, with the same amount of te- with the same test scores and the, the same GPA and everything, to be accepted into Yale than a white or an Asian student, right? So you're seeing that the whole idea of uh, affirmative action that we're we're making uh, reparations that the fact that um, you know. Whites have been given privilege earlier, so we must reverse that by being racist now, right? Uh, it doesn't work like that. But this is the the emotional fragility is, okay, well, uh, there were terrible things done to minorities in this country in the past. Slavery, bigotry, whatever. So, not slavery doesn't continue, but the bigotry and stuff, some of that continues. And then the the uh, concept of white fragility and and white guilt is um, you have to admit that you actually are racist and you have to admit that your race has been helped by this whole system. And so you have to 
let's say, be inversely racist, give up your privilege and hand that over to someone uh, less fortunate. Now, it's a uh, it's kind of a faith based appeal. You can see already the uh, the the closeness to a type of cult doctrine that this is very broad generalities that you have to accept. There's an emotional vulnerability attached to that, and if you don't accept it, then you're not part of the cult. You're not you're not in with this. Um, he says here, white fragility separates white people and their adjacencies into two types: racist to admit it. And racists who are too emotionally fragile to admit it. It is obvious which side the cult doctrine favors. Uh, so in the cult doctrine, every white person is a racist by default. And there are only those with moral and emotional fortitude to face that. And those who lack the necessary moral fiber. So, uh, <laughs> right. So it's a already you're having, let's say, a, um, a faith-based uh, assertion. The faith-based assertion is... Uh, all white people are racist. That's not argued, right? No one argues. If you're on the radical left and you accept the doctrine, you don't argue that all white people are racist. You assume it. And then once you assume it, then you do things like we saw. I don't know if you guys saw the uh, the, the YouTuber who would go around to mostly white uh, young women and tell them to get on their knees and apologize for their whiteness, basically, on, on YouTube. You guys can look this guy up. Uh, and he had a number of people willingly get on their knees and apologize on behalf of their entire race for being white. You guys should look this, this guy up on YouTube. So, right, th- in doing that, obviously, he's assuming that all white people are racist, right? And, and those people who kneeled, um, they, it's kind of, it's kind of an, an initiation into this, this cold thinking when you kneel before somebody and admit, you know, my, my side's been privileged for this amount of time. I, uh, I'm making reparations now. Now, obviously, that's totally bereft of reason because you personally aren't responsible for the fact that there's disenfranchi- disenfranchisement, maybe. Um, and also, that does nothing to solve anything. It, it, it forms a, a kind of cultish it's a cultish solution where now we're all together on it. There's no argumentation of this particular policy that's going to raise African-Americans higher. There's, there's no, the reparation mentality is a kind of reverse racism to try and win rather than let's try and correct these ills and move forward. Um, and, and these, these cult doctrines, they don't work unless everyone is, um, unless everyone admits the cult doctrine, right? And welcome to the program, Mr. Lake. How you doing, brother? I'm so sorry I'm late. I no, no problem, brother. No problem. Cluster. Uh, Kellen, do you apologize for your whiteness? Um, no, I don't. And I also don't think there's a thing. I don't. I don't think there's anything. I think white privilege is a hoax. I don't think it's a real thing. I so I was just thing. reading an article called uh, "Reading Talking About It" on the program. The cult dynamics of wokeness. And he goes through and basically describes how like this whole woke culture, cancel culture, things that we're seeing is more or less a cult. And it has very much like cult dynamics. A cult. Yeah. So one of the things he talks about is like in, in a cult, when you get like indoctrinated into a cult, you the first thing they do is exploit like emotional vulnerability, right? 
So let's say they, they, they convince you, like, you're a sinner, you're really bad, and this guy's going to solve all your problems, right? This Jim Jones guy or this crazy guy, right? And they have, and, and you get into this, uh, or like the fear of death or something like that. So the emotional vulnerability that the woke culture takes advantage of is, um, let's say, this idea that, okay, well, white people are the ones who oppressed black people in the past, and there's some, like, racial guilt attached to that or something, and so you exploit people's compassion you exploit people's natural wanting like every american to do well and you exploit that and you say well all white people are basically racist and unless you admit that you know you're not part of the group advancing race relations in the united states well you know it's like <clears throat> the other day there was this reporter uh and he was just walking down the street of some city and uh and this young white woman was just walking down and he came up to her and he said, he said, like, stop, um, you know that you're white and I want you to denounce your white privilege or whatever. And he said, and he, the a reporter literally said to the woman, get on your knees and say that you renounce your white privilege or whatever. Yep. And so she's all freaked out. She goes down and she says it. And I'm just thinking to myself, look. Okay, so this is what a gang will do, right? They'll, like you said, they'll indoctrinate you. Oh, sorry about that. Got some crazy things going on with my computer. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, um, and so she goes down on her knees and she says, I'm sorry that I denounced my white privilege. I'm just thinking to myself, you know, white privilege, you know, people think of, it's just, it's such, it's a term that, it's just, it's it's wrong on so many levels. I mean, because think about it. In America, right, we are all given equal opportunity, right? We are given we're in a country where we are given opportunity on an equal scale. So why do we have people all the time screaming, "Oh, you have white privilege! You have white privilege!" All these people, when ninety nine percent of these the people that apparently have white privilege are just trying to do like become the best that they can be in this country. You know what I mean? Try to be the best individual that they can. You can't call somebody white privilege if they're generally, if they're just honestly a good human being who's trying to build up their life in the best way that they can in an economic system or capitalistic system. Yeah. You're, you're saying you personally are guilty for the entire, you know, sins of your race, yeah, which you are, it's by the way, according to their own, principles you know race is a a socially constructed thing that we've we've imagined um and then also you know it it came out of a kind of colonialist era um we're all the white race in europe apparently right and to justify kind of the brutality of let's say the the dutch in congo or um or in other places right so you know we're the superior race or whatever but like there's white people are you talking about slavs you know brits frenchmen Italians, like what, Croats, it's it, this whole like, well, that that's white, and that's you know, like the Midwestern German versus the Italian from the Bronx versus you know the Jew from wherever. Like it's, anyway. So, so according to their, you know, who's oh, white people are supposed to? Well, how about you know the white guy who moved here to New York in 1970 or something? Well, it's it's ascribing personal guilt, uh, you know, for a white race that existed previously. I mean, how it's just, it's really crazy that that is now mainstream liberal talking points. 
here, here's what's happening is that, so today I was in Kroger and I went to the butter section and <laughs> I went, you know, the challenge butter, you know, the challenge, the company, Yeah. well, they have an Indian on their cover mm. and you know, everything that's going on now with, um, you know, like the Washington Redskins, their, the name is being taken away to be like, I think they're naming the Washington football team or something. <laughs> That is the saddest the name. Washington football team? Washington football team. That is sad. Because, because we are approaching a situation in America right now where everything is racist. So here, we, here, I'll break it down for you. Please. You and me, we're racist because we're white. The American flag, it's racist because it stands for everybody. You know, just the American flag is being burned by people right now because they think the flag is racist. You know. The biggest problem that we have in this country right now is that people are not properly educated on the history of our country. If people were properly educated and people knew about the wars that we went through, about everything that happened to our country, we would not be seeing this kind of supposed racism that we have now against especially white people. So, you know, the problem is, is that you just being white makes you racist these days. I mean, people are so enraged <clears throat> with hate. And to the point now where the challenge butter has to have its company, the Indian, taken off because apparently the Indian is racist. Wait, it, that's that's legit. They're taking the Indian off the I'm, challenge I'm butter. I'm pretty sure that's what happened. Do you know how many like there. teams around the U.S., like icons, logos, like everything includes a native american indian right so there's so many things and now listen to this the other day blm is pushing for big loser maniacs for all you guys who don't know maniacs okay they're pushing they're pushing for the florida state seminoles a classic name you probably you might not find a better name in american sports than the florida state university college football team the seminoles a beautiful name the Seminole president goes to the the tribal chieftain of the Seminoles, or the other way around. The chieftain goes to him and he says, please don't take away this name. The, by you naming that the team, that's honoring us. That's honoring the Indian tribe. See, people have it all wrong. People think that just because you say skin, you say, you know, red skin, or you, you have an Indian on, means that it's racist. That automatically comes down to people not understanding the history of our country. Let me ask you a question. Why do you think somebody would get so offended if I just said Washington Redskins? Okay, Redskins. I don't see what's so damn offensive about that. I don't get it. I I don't see it. It's been the name for the Redskins for the past probably 100 years. So you call it racist now, but it's a name. So times change i guess it's this cultish like you you have this belief that every system we've created is racist yes and and naming things after indians or naming things after this particular tribe or naming things whatever or holding a statue to somebody in the past this is all propping up an entire system that is designed to make white people succeed and black people fail and 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 minorities doesn't matter Mexicans whatever, right? So once you just have that worldview, then everything becomes a target. 
everything and anything. So here in San Diego, right? Uh, I don't know if you know Mount Soledad, but it's a it was a veterans memorial for all the people who uh, in the military have died, and it's an e- enormous white um, cross. It's this beautiful cross, and it, it's on top of a hill. And uh, you know, people have been trying to take that cross down for years, for years. You know, all sorts of different groups. First, it was an atheist group. There was another group who claimed it was, uh, you know, it was uh, hateful because it's a, a Christian symbol, right? I mean, it's just everything becomes hateful when uh, you would you you think that the system is all hateful, right? All American systems hateful. It's it's all hateful. It's a- all racist. And even if you're not offended, right? If Kellen Lake isn't offended, well, you'll be offended for somebody else, and that gives you a certain power, right? If you can claim that someone else would be offended by something, then you can make the person change. You can make you know that <laughs> the, the young white women kneel and you know admit their their uh what their racism right you get power out of all these things right it's 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 an empowering thing for for other people to admit their racism and then it's like well i'm the compassionate one i'm on the woke crowd right i'm improving race relations in the united states i'm I'm improving everything because i'm really compassionate people think that you know burning down buildings and looting and rioting is solving the problem when it's not. You know, I think the only reason why this all looting and rioting happened is because they think that just peacefully protesting isn't going to be enough. They think that just walking in the streets, it's not going to be enough. There's going to be more cops that kill um, black people. And look, you don't solve problems with violence it just doesn't work we've seen it in history it, it i mean it just like in this kind of way that's not going to happen and look what happened the you know new york and chicago their police departments got defunded like crazy and there were high amount amounts of murders on the fourth of july the fourth of Who july thought? you defund the police and then they don't arrest people but see that's that's what they don't tell you is look i mean They'll say, oh, we defunded the police because it's a good thing. They should learn from what they did when really you're just putting everybody else at risk. You're not that's not that's not helping your cause in any way. You could say BLM is responsible for over 100 murders so far. You could say that their movement is actually causing people to become to get murdered. You could make that valid argument because it is. And so that's the problem that we have. It's so, anarchy. A, 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 you know, a state that doesn't have a police is anarchy. There's it's no anarchy. way to enforce any rules. There's no way to enforce the, the rule of law. And that, that goes to show you that these people really have this belief that America is systemically racist and needs to just, there needs to be a revolution. We talked about this with Josh remember we had our whole revolution podcast, but I, I think it hits at it that these people will not stop until every institution in the United States is just completely demolished and then replaced with something that they like that's something that fits their radical ideology there's no compromise there's no like hey let's have a conversation because even admitting that there's a conversation to be had means that you don't accept the cult doctrine that you're a racist and then there's no there's no conversation that you can have with somebody in that mindset if you don't admit that you have uh, uh, white privilege or you don't admit that you uh, are actually racist in some part of your mindset or something like that there's no conversation there's no compromise you can have there's nothing to say 
And so because those people want to replace everything we've built with something that fits their ideology. Because they're fueled by hatred. That's the reason. You can't you can't reason with hatred. You can't. And so like these people are just going to keep doing what they're doing. Kamala Harris and Joe Biden are now the Democratic uh, candidates for, well, Joe Biden's the candidate and his running mate is Kamala Harris for president. Okay, we all know that. I just, I, I look at it and I'm just saying, America, this is not, if you want to see change in this country, you don't do it by voting for Democrats. It just doesn't work. It's not going to work. It's, you're not gonna, it's not going to happen with Kamala Harris and Joe Biden. He literally just said the other day that, you know, on his, on his statement, a very racist statement that I don't know why he said it, when he said the, you know, the African-American community is unlike, you know, the Latino, or unlike the black American community, the Latino community is diverse. And I was looking at it, I was just thinking, you basically just said black people are all the same. You did and say that. He got he, away he with that. Said that. He got and away Kamala with that. Harris, Kamala Harris is Jamaican, right? In Indian, right? She's not I black. Don't I don't think she's, she's Jamaican and Indian. So this whole, I think this whole, uh, you know, thing of him choosing, you know, I think a black woman to like put the, you know, put the statement out there of I'm choosing an African-American woman as my running mate. Like that's Just not going to assume pass. that, you know, the black vote it's, is going to go to yeah. Biden. Right. And it's not going to go to Biden because right. he just said the most racist thing that you could against black people. You remember, do you remember that interview he did with uh Charlemagne, the God, you know, that the breakfast club podcast. And he said, um, you don't vote Democrat. You ain't black. Remember yep. that? I mean, I don't look, it doesn't get, I don't understand. I mean, if, you know, you making making claims like that. You really think people? You ain't black. It's it's. it's, uh, it's you think it's people are so, gonna be excited to vote for you after that? Yeah. Well, the problem is the Dems are so brainwashed, anyways, that they they're gonna vote for him because they hate Trump. See, that's another problem with American politics. We have a tendency in this country, and it's mostly Democrats, to vote for a candidate just because you hate the other candidate. You don't achieve greatness by killing the opponent. You don't achieve greatness by killing your opponent right there. You achieve greatness by working your way through tough times and voting for somebody who can get the job done. Joe Biden's probably going to die in office if he gets in there. His first year, he's going to die. they're going to murder him, yeah. Okay? Either that or he's just going to die of dementia. I don't know. He's going to die of some sort of mental illness because he has thousands of them. And so, like, it's just, it, it's going to be, look, they're not going to get elected. and. And if they do, it's going to be Kamala Harris running the show, not him. Well, all the polls we are all saying they have an enormous lead everywhere. I don't trust the polls. The polls are just dismiss them because, you know, they're all. What did the polls say about Trump in 2016, right? He lost a good amount of them and he won, won a lot of them, but then he destroyed the competition, you know, and he's going to do the same thing when Biden is going to be out there on the stage with him on September 29th in Cleveland, Ohio. Which Damn, I should dude. probably go to, by the way. I don't know. Can but, we um, go to that? How can we go to that? Kellen and Alex are live. Here's the thing <laughs> from, about the, you have the, to talk to the yeah, <laughs> from the from the first debate. presidential from the first presidential debate. We host our own podcast room. Um, so I think the university that's hosting it, you have to get in contact with them. But it's going to be all higher ups in there. 
You know what I mean? It's going to be all people and by higher and, ups, uh, you mean hired ups of the Democrat Party to cheer on Joe Biden? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's going to be. It's you remember? Be, you remember? I don't know if you remember the in the Republican primaries back in 2016 when um everyone was booing Trump the whole time, and he just pointed yeah. to him and he's like, "You guys are all invited by the Republican Party. You guys hate. <laughs> you guys hate me. You guys all suck, right? American people are cheering me on, and it's 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 going to be funny when um. I wonder what the uh, political affiliation of the crowd's going to be, but it's just, it's so crazy. I was watching a, a video by uh, Attorney General Barr recently. He was on uh, Fox News and he was saying, you know, he's been Attorney General. He was Attorney General under uh, George H.W. Bush like 30 years ago. And now he's Attorney General now. And he said, back then, you know, politics was part of your life, but it wasn't all encompassing, right? You had a life outside of politics. You know, you could have conversations with Democrats and go back and forth and be friends and stuff. And then, you know, when you disagree, you take a vote and you move on. He said, now it's politics has become all encompassing. You know, for for the Democrats, the radical left, it's it's their whole this. And he, he described it this way. He said this pilgrimage we're on of life. for The Democrats is a political pilgrimage. There's nothing higher. It's it's power games. There's nothing. There's no like, you know, heaven. There's no. Um, you know, knowing that we're going to die, there's no perfect utopia, no perfect America we're going to make. Um, for them, they're moving towards a progressive utopia under their rule. That's what they're trying to do. And that's the only thing they want to achieve. There's no compromise. There's no discussion. There's no debate. There's nothing to be said. And we're in a different time in our democracy. We're in a very challenging time because how do you, how do you, uh, you know, have a, uh, a democratic society where one group will never compromise and only wants complete victory. I mean, you can't, I mean, like, like if you have, see, the, it's just the, it's the problem with American politics is that whenever we, you know, when, when November comes and we start having these, you know, it's starting to get real political now, you know, November is like the election first, you know, debate's going to be September 30th naturally what we start to see is this pattern of just you know both candidates are on the grind but america starts to become so tense and so driven by i you know like ideas and just it it's comes into that natural area where america starts to become real real you know involved in politics and so what we do is we start seeing more press meetings like we saw i think it was today Miss Mac, what's her name? The White House Secretary McEnany. I think so, yeah. McEnany, yeah. Um, she just giving more things about like the historic deal today with that uh, Trump did with Israel and I think Pakistan. The UAE, Palestine, the, the United Arab Emirates. Arab Emirates, yeah, all that stuff. So um, we do have this system in America where it's going to be polarizing. I mean, that's the only thing. Like Trump and Biden are, I mean, to some extent, they're pretty polarizing, I would say. But this election is going to show what America wants for its future. This election is going to show what America values, what its morals are. Because you either vote for somebody who supports abortion, supports socialism, health care for all, who has no idea, no clue how to govern. She runs California like a donut. and you know, it's like you can't vote for her, Kamala Harris. You can't vote for Joe Biden. They have no idea what they're doing. 
or you vote for somebody like Donald Trump, who's led this country for the past four years to victory, who's done more for the African-American community than any other president. And you have a Biden on the other, you have Biden on the other side who's just trashing African-Americans. You vote for somebody like Trump who leads this country, who actually has America's values like in his mind at all times, because that's why he's so successful and gets things done is because he knows what America values. He believes that and he puts that forward and he doesn't waste any time. He's been getting stuff done. He got more stuff done in his first six months of the presidency than Obama did in eight years. Wow. And it's just like, you're just dumbfounded. Like, how can somebody vote for another person like Obama? How can you do that? You don't, it doesn't even have to be, you don't even have to get political on this. It's like, you just have to have a, a common sense of what the hell you want. It's not even like, Obama. It's Obama light with dementia. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's Obama. It's no Obama 2.0. <laughs> I mean, all the, you know, the good speaking skills and the charming the and train. the, you know, the, um, and also being African-American. Everything Elegant. that the Dems valued with Obama is now out the window, and now you get you know, oh, old white guy who's semi-racist who has dementia, and uh, you know, not can barely string together a sentence that's coherent, and he has he has a constant kind of like undertone with his speech. You know what I'm talking about? He's like, and uh, if you if you're not, you ain't voting. You're voting. You ain't voting black, right? It's like. You can barely piece it together. It's kind of hard to listen to him. Anyways, yeah. How anyone could think. And then his, obviously his running mate who, you know, he has a a good chance of resigning or dying or just who knows what will happen once he gets in office. And Kamala Harris has proven she's radical. She fits the radical agenda of AOC, Green New Deal, Bernie Sanders, socialism, which America doesn't want. Not even the most Democrats want that, right? The Democrat Party, like Kamala Harris, had 2% of the primary votes, right? Bernie Sanders didn't make it. Joe Biden did. So they're trying. I think they're hedging. They're they're going both sides. They're going the Democrats who want just just want Trump out, but they don't want radical stuff. And then the people who want the radical stuff, they're like, at least we can hope for Kamala Harris. I actually think it was a smart decision to pick both of them. Although I think it's, you know, they're both idiots and it's, it's really unfortunate. I mean, it's true. I mean, they're they're definitely idiots. They have no idea how to run a country. I mean, what they want to do is, you know, Trump said in his press conference, what they want to do is they're going to raise taxes by God knows how much. It's going to kill the middle class. And the, you, you ever notice how like the whole Democrats thing is, you know, let's we should have no more billionaires. Bernie Sanders said we should have no more billionaires in this country. I could not I could not disagree with the statement more. You do realize that billionaires are the people that give tens of hundreds of thousands of these jobs to people. They're the ones that give all these jobs and you want to tax the hell out of them. Not going to work. Did you hear Cuomo's? Uh, he was he said he had a press conference and he said he was calling up his millionaire buddies who are in Connecticut and trying to get them back in the city. And he's he's like, uh, come back. I'll buy you dinner. <laughs> well, I'll get you a glass of wine. Like, come back to the city, you know, because all the billionaires and everyone have and the millionaires have left New York City because of all the craziness, the protests, the corona. They don't want to deal with New York City, right? Billionaires, I, I don't know if you heard the Joe Rogan Spotify deal that went down. I heard about $100 like million. Dollars, $100, $100 million. million. He's, yeah. He's moving to Texas. He's by moving the way, to Texas. Do you know why he's moving to Texas? I don't know. 11% California income tax. 
he would lose eleven million dollars of that right off the bat just by living in California. Mm -hmm. Right? Have you heard about the the yacht tax that the Democrats passed? They basically any yep any yachts made in America had a extra tax on them uh, per the Democrats. Right? It killed the they were doing it to you know get back at the rich right so they can take their money. Well, what happened is the American yacht making industry tanked. And all the billionaires bought their yachts from other countries, right? Like, there's reasons why UK and other places who have extraordinary high taxes for the rich, all their billionaires just don't put their assets there. They put their assets where? Switzerland, (laughs) right? Or the Isle of Man off of Ireland, or they put it in the Caribbean somewhere or wherever else. It's because they're trying to avoid those taxes and they're not going to end up paying it. And the $4 trillion is going to come out of the American taxpayer it's not gonna come yep. out of the billionaires even if you Four try your hardest trillion dollars and you know what trump you know what trump did he cut taxes like we've never seen before which is a great thing to do uh and he he just the whole idea behind behind this is like trump wants to lower taxes for people who want smaller government we've got we want the government staying out of our businesses that's what america was built off of you see the Democrats, they try to build up these new programs for people that just don't work. We saw with eight years, eight years with Obama, it doesn't work. My parents, if they accepted Obamacare, instead of getting paid $100, which is a standard visit for a doctor's visit, they would have been paid $30 with Obamacare. So here's the thing. You just, you just don't, you don't play along with stupid. You don't play along with stupid. You don't go with their agendas because you know that they're just not going to work. They're not economically sound. They're, they just, what the Democrats are proposing, we've seen it all before. And so America knows. That's why you see everywhere I saw it in NorCal, actually, which is pretty conservative. I saw signs up, you know, going towards my house that said, Trump 2020, no more BS. I've seen those. I've seen some here. I've seen some bumper stickers. No more BS. Because the American people are not are starting to not trust the Democrats anymore. Because I think the biggest thing, honestly, that people look at is not really so much the policies, but the morals, the morals behind what people do things. Trump is a Christian man. He has morals. Okay, he does good things for this country. He wants to create peace agreements with people. He wants to build the economy better. He wants to he and in terms of the economy, he wants to have people living in prosperity. And he's been doing that. That's a good moral thing to do. The Democrats want to tax the hell out of everybody. It just doesn't work. It doesn't work. America's not about tax, 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 tax. America is about freedom, the freedom to to choose and do the right things, but also it has to start from the top of just people looking out for the American public. We need politicians that look out for the American public. Trump is doing that. If you've seen Kamala Harris and Joe Biden, just the way they speak and what they're talking about, they want to turn this country into a communist nation. It's not going to work. It just doesn't work. We've seen it before. Like Mike Bloomberg said in the Democratic debate, he said to Bernie, who Bloomberg, interesting, by the way, he's a billionaire. And he said to Bernie, you know, we tried throwing out capitalism in this country. It doesn't work. It's called communism. And so you just all you have to do is just look at the Democrats and what they stand for, and you can automatically see that they're so corrupt. I don't know how anybody could vote for a Democrat. I don't get it, honestly. 
I mean, you, you wonder. Have to be I, I wonder. There are more and more. Uh, take kneeling for the flag, right? The Democrats seem to be standing for uh, the destruction of the country. Like it seems like they don't like America, right? No, they want to they sell out America for China. They want to sell out America for all sorts of other stuff. It, I think this election is going. The the people who are frustrated with the whole radical left, you know, the the protests that were going on, the violence, the anarchy. The not standing up to the protesters, the allowing them to just wreck the streets. Like, do these people even care about America? Like, do they want the country to succeed? Or are they revolutionaries who want to raise it to the ground and then build something new that's communist and and who knows who knows what it looks like, right? They don't know what it looks like. It's kind of a it's a characteristic of revolutionaries that they don't really have a the goal in mind isn't atta- attainable. It's just you got to destroy everything in your path before you get to that point, and then you can think about it after you've destroyed it, right? Once you've got all the power, then you can reshape it in your image. But I, I like, are people going to vote for Joe Biden and Kamala thinking they're going to improve America or they're going to destroy, you know, the the systemic racism and they're gonna like, I don't know. The, yeah, do, people, do the American people think Joe Biden actually loves this country and wants to make it better? people that are brainwashed do because they they don't they all they do is watch cnn and the fake news cnn 2016 the new york times gave trump an 18 percent chance of winning the election and he goes and wins the election see the thing is is people can see people are getting better now in america seeing through the bs and that's why trump is going to get reelected in 2020 and we're going to have another four years is because people know that it's just it's bogus it's just absolute bogus it, it people just don't people don't want the democratic agenda like anybody that has any morals and and wants a good future for this country just should be thinking in their mind i can't vote for a democrat they're trying to turn this country into socialist communist country what was america founded off of the rights to life liberty and the pursuit of happiness life by the way meaning anti-abortion life and Kamala Harris wants to support abortion, partial birth abortion. That's not the right to life. That's not the right to liberty. That's not the right to pursue happiness. You know, and, and so when we have these politicians that are so crazily corrupt and you have America that's so stupid, that'll vote for these people anyways, because they hate Trump. That's the problem. Like I said, they hate Trump. So they'll vote for, for Biden. You don't get anywhere in advancing in advancing the betterment of this country by voting for somebody else because you think that other person is just absolute trash. You think they're a terrible human being when Trump's not. America needs to wake up and we need to all try to st- strive and work better for the betterment of this country. And you do that by voting for Trump. You don't do that by voting for liberals who on CNN all the time just trash Trump about it's all fake. It's all false stuff that they accuse him with. I watched a previous interview with Colby Covington, um, the UFC fighter, and he was talking to this guy about, you know, just how the left is just spewing lies at Trump purely based off of hatred. There's no rational thinking in their mind. It's all about pure. They're driven by hatred. There's hatred in their hearts. Like Trump said in the 2016 debates in the presidential debate in the second one, he said, believe me, Hillary has great, tremendous hate in her heart. And she did. She still does. <laughs> she still does. And she's never going to, she, she, she's a mess. And, you know, just 
I'm really interested as to why, though. I mean, I can I can't really see why Joe Biden would pick Kamala Harris. I mean, somebody's got to be pulling the strings in this. I mean, and and there was a, a congresswoman who was talking about the fact that she looks forward to manipulating Joe Biden's agenda. Like, and, and we've known this for a while that I don't understand either. He doesn't seem like he wants the job. Like, does yeah, he, he look doesn't. like he wants it? He, he he's a guy. Look like he wants it. He looks he like he's on the, like the, the throes of losing his mind, and he just wants to, you know, listen to the geese in his backyard at his uh, house in Delaware. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't. The only reason I can see right is, I think the Obama administration was uh, as as uh, this this you know the three months where they were spying on President Trump and trying to actively create this Russian hoax, which now we know, right? Um, the whole the the Russia 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 stuff was all made up. The impeachment stuff and the Obama administration was involved in it. Obamagate, Trump's you know, revealed uh, all this stuff. I think when that was going on, when they were preparing to try and destroy the Trump administration by Russian collusion, um, and the Steele dossier and all that type of stuff, I think Obama looked at Joe and said, "You be ready to take this guy on in four years, and we're going to get you ready, and we're going to get you the nomination." And uh, we'll we'll figure it out then, you know, because Obama knew he couldn't run again, but he wanted to continue his power and and, uh, he's passed it off to Joe. I just I don't. I don't see it in that. I don't see the drive in him to really want the office. He whenever he talks, it's just like, I don't I don't I don't see the connect here of, of what he's trying to. It just seems like there's a lot of very spiteful Democrats who want somebody who's electable. And Joe Biden's the only one they can think of. And then they're going to pair him up with the radical Kamala Harris. But who who knows who's really behind either of them? You know, like, I don't know. Kamala. So she was uh, I'll, I'll read straight from the mouth of the man. Uh, Donald J. Trump. The fake news media is giving Kamala Harris a free pass despite her radical left failures and very poor run in the Democrat primary. There was nobody meaner or more condescending to slow Joe. Not even me. And yet she quickly evaporated down to almost zero in the polls. Bad. I mean, the lady who was more vociferously against Trump and now, uh, sorry, not against Trump, against against Biden, against Joe Biden, calling him a racist. And he, she implicitly called him racist and didn't explicitly call him one. And then said he, she also believed his accusers who accused him of uh, sexually harassing them. And now she gets the, the VP nod. It's just, it's so... It's uh, it's very strange. I think Obama and Clinton and these other people, they think Joe is the, the best one to get elected to beat Trump, but they're going to pair him with a radical who's going to fit you know, the, the real radical agenda, which is it Kamala just, Harris. It just shows you how corrupt the left is. I mean, they're literally trying to do whatever they can to get their guys elected. Like, it's just, they throw out morals whenever they go. I mean, they, they just... You know, and the funny thing is they accuse Republicans of doing that, right? They we had Donald Republican. Trump came from literally political obscurity. He was just, a, you know, a, the apprentice and billionaire from New York who owns a lot of real estate. He just shot through all the primaries, destroyed, you know, Jeb and, uh, <laughs> and the freaking all Poor those Jeb. other losers who lost to him <laughs> and Marco Rubio and Ted Cruz and all these other guys and just skyrocketed through it. He called out the entire Republican Party. 
he eventually wins the nomination and then beats Hillary Clinton, right? I, as much as the Republican Party is corrupt, you know, and American politics is corrupt and whatever else, you know, he was able to get in, take the nominee uh, nomination, go through and, and be elected and stuff. And but with the Democrats, I mean, it's so encrusted with their like group, you know, Obama, Biden, Clinton. You look at these guys, and then you have the radicals of Bernie Sanders, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. The, the crazy Somali from Minnesota. Um, and, and, and now Kamala Harris. Right. It's just, it's so, uh, you have a group of, you know, the crusty Democrats who are old school and, uh, and then these new revolutionaries. And that's, that's the choice. And, and the people who are our age, are the, are the liberals, are not the ones who are supporting the old crust Democrats. They're the ones who really want people like AOC or like Kamala Harris to, redo everything right like open borders sanctuary cities everywhere like you know medicare for all uh free college for everyone no student loans uh like everything has to be changed Uh, everything systemically racist um like that's that's the duality of the left today i mean it's so true it's it's putting all i mean first of all it's putting all these agendas together that aren't going to work i mean it's just Medicare for all is never going to work. It's not going to work. I mean, you want to kill private, you want to kill people having private insurance. I mean, that's a right of a, of a basic American is to have a private insurance for their health. I mean, like you want to take that away from people and put everyone on the same thing, like Obamacare, which was a hoax and never worked by the way, was a complete fraud, never worked. They want to replace that. She wants to have abortion on demand. Okay, so let women all over the United States just murder their babies in their womb, okay? Fine, go ahead with that. And then, you know, it's just any I'm getting kind of worried because I feel like America is jeopardizing its morals just because of the hatred of a human being. I mean, it should be it should be we should go back to the days where we would vote for somebody because we believed, and I'm not saying that there aren't people that do this because there are, there are plenty of Americans that do, but I think that to some extent we've lost this idea of voting fairly for someone because we believe that they are the right candidate and their morals are the right way to go for this country. Instead of voting for, instead of voting for somebody else who, uh, is just going to tear this country down. I mean, like you just have to, you just have to use your brain in modern politics to really understand. It's so simple. You just have to think about what's going on to truly understand what's happening in American politics. I mean, you have these two crazies over here, Biden and Kamala Harris, who will literally mark my words. If he gets elected, they will destroy this country. Everything that Trump has put forward will be destroyed. They will try to redo the system. They will try to redo everything. And it will become an absolute disaster. I mean, imagine they win the presidency and then there's a flip to the Democrats, you know, from the Republican House and Republican Senate, you know. Um, It could be, it could be, you know, and we saw this with the impeachment stuff. You remember the impeachment stuff, which was huge, you know, a few years, uh, a year ago, a year and a half ago. There you go. Uh, (laughs) It was completely split 
Democrat and Republican on the impeachment stuff because it was all made up and it was a it was a Democrat hoax to try and get Trump impeached. Like there's a a total hatred, and they want to completely destroy this guy. And um, it it makes you wonder like they want complete victory. They don't care really about you know bettering the American people. They just want to destroy tr- Trump and get the power and and move on. And they think Joe Sleepy Joe can do it for him. And uh, it's. Yeah, it's it's concerning. It's concerning to say the least. And you have Trump calling out one of the things, you know, listening to him recently, he talks a lot about mail-in ballots. And I think just today he's announced True. an executive order or something like that to defund parts of uh the postal office to try and force people's hands to have in-person ballots. Yep. Which is a a really interesting thing. Yeah, I was looking at that and he yeah, a big narrative of his lately is you know, making sure that we have fair uh, ballots, like we have fair, uh, you know, an even system where people come in and they vote for who they want, but you don't have all this fraud going on. And I think that's a big thing for him to do is because I was listening to the Democratic debate and Bernie said that in order, the moderator asked him, what's it going to take to beat Trump? And he said, it's going to take the biggest vote out, voter turnout in history. And it's no shot to Trump that, I mean, he should make sure that voting is going the way that it should be and that we're not having fraud in our elections because this upcoming election is going to determine the future of our country. I mean, it it really will. And so we have to make sure that the whole process is going right. You know, Trump is a big guy on process. He's a, you know what I mean? He, like he said about the border, I want people to come in, but I want them to come in legally. And you asked, and the democratic candidates were asked the other day, do you think that they, do you think that illegals coming over the border should be put in jail? Should it be a crime punishable by jail? And 99% of them said no. And, you know, I totally disagree with that. Those people that want to come in illegal, they should be put in jail and then sent back to where they are because that is a total violation of the people that have been waiting 10 years to get into this country that are still having difficulties of getting to do that. My, my, oldest, sister's, um, my oldest sister's boyfriend, she or his family literally waited like 10 years to get into the United States. They did the process legally, they got in. Here you have people south of Texas, south of California, all along the border there that are just walking in here. And you have the Democrats who want to just open up the borders, just like Hillary did. They want to open up the borders and they just want to let these people pour through. And you're like, if you're trying to say that the Democrats stand for law and order, for which which they don't, then how can you vote for them? Because they're literally... They're standing for lawlessness. They're standing for lawlessness. <laughs> it's just America. You have to wake up and use your brain. I mean, it's just, it's not that hard. They're you literally saying, make an illegal thing legal, which is yes. which is like, okay, well then make, then change the law. Okay. Yeah. And then you try the democratic process. But having a sanctuary city and letting people just flow through and not stopping them is just saying, I won't enforce the law, which means lawlessness and anarchy. It means an open border means you don't have a country, right? Your your country is some amalgam that you can't enforce. You can't enforce people not just flooding in from 
you know, Guatemala coming through the Mexican border. It's it's just yeah, and then they they want no voter ID so those people can vote for them. <laughs> you know, it's just it shows you that they'll do whatever they can to get at Trump. I mean, it's been like that the past four years. And when he gets reelected, it's going to be like that for the next four, and he's just going to have to deal with it. You know, let's talk that. Let's talk that. All right, the scenarios we're looking for November, right? Okay, first of all, let's talk the mail-in bout, uh, mail-in voting stuff because Trump's been talking about it a lot. If Trump doesn't get elected by the mail-in voting thing, let's say okay, the two scenarios. I don't know what you think is more likely. Do you think we're going to have universal mail-in voting this election? Ooh. The Dems really want it. Trump really does not. Because he thinks there's a lot of voter fraud that's going to happen. I think he's right. I think there's going to be a lot of voter fraud. But do you think that that's what's going to happen? I don't think so. I don't think that's going to... It's hard to change the system as it is. I mean, I don't think... And I think people might argue that it might be easier just because we have such a huge election coming up. But we've seen in the past that these processes are really hard to change. And so I don't think having universal ballot voting is like just I don't think it's going to work. Um, I think that the way that it is now, I think it's a fair system, um, but I don't think that it's going to change to that. It's too hard to do that. It's going to be too hard to make that change. Yeah. Have the Postal Service receive millions and millions of votes and then have to tally them and count them. Yeah. Instead of in person, you, you, you know, go to the voting booth, you vote, it's instantly counted. And it's also going to string out the election results until they can count them all, which is going to be really weird, right? Can you imagine if there's so many votes that still aren't counted and Trump's in office and he's like, how can I trust these, right? We could see a real tumultuous election cycle like we've never seen it with universal mail-in voting. You know, in other countries and in, in third world countries and stuff, voting time is peak corruption time. I don't know if you've seen in, um, oh man, I just lost the country, Belarus. In Belarus, they had a, a, a vote, a Democrat vote, a Democratic rather, for uh, the, the, the leader of their country. Their leader is a total dictator. He got 78% of the vote, but in reality, they're estimating he got like 2 to 5% of the vote because everyone hates him. And he's a total dictator. There's been mass protests in Belarus ever since. Total brutal um, repressions of the protests, and that's because of the fake election, right? I mean, let's say the results come in, and Trump finds out there's been systematic voter fraud all over the country, but all the votes are for Joe, and he wins by like sixty percent or something stupid, right? Because there's been mass voter fraud that's been systematically done. The election results come out, everyone on the news, the the you know the mainstream corrupt media is saying Biden wins, Biden wins. Trump looks through and says, there's tons of fraud. I'm not giving up the office until we figure out what happened. We could see political unrest like we've never seen before. I agree. I think that if it comes, if it comes to, if it comes to push and shove where we see something like that, where Trump is saying, this just can't be right. Like, you know, this, these numbers do not add up. He's not going to give up the office until, uh, until, and I don't know who, who is the authority then because 
I mean, I guess it's Trump because he's technically still in office, but I, I don't know what that'll look like. I mean, it's it's gonna. I pray that it won't go to that. No, I, I pray that. I look, pray that we don't I, if I if the majority votes. of Americans vote for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, then they should assume office. <laughs> I'm, I'm no one's in dispute of that, but the whole mail-in voting thing—it's so prone to possibly being fraudulent that we could have some real tumultuous who won, you know? And if you can't decide who wins, you know, what do you do at that, at that point in time, we could see a lot of, uh, of, you know, unrest because of that. And let's say Trump does win, then they may accuse him of voting fraud and, and not, uh, and not accept the results of the vote. Right. I mean, we basically saw that we saw pretty close to that with the, the Clinton and, uh, they really did not, accept that. And the Democrats obviously didn't accept it because they were trying to impeach him, right? They wanted to impeach him all those four years. That was them telling the American people, I don't care who you voted for. We're getting this guy out no matter what we, you know, we're going to do it, right? So I don't know. I, I Yeah. This this November is going to be crazy. It's going to be crazy. I'm glad we're going to be out in the middle of nowhere in Steubenville uh, when that happens, but are you uh so wait, are you coming back here? Yep, I'll be back there, brother. Because you're gonna be doing your grad classes, right? In the good Steubenville, Ohio. Which, by the way, I hope they. Uh, you, Kellen, I don't know if you have a. I have a bet going right now with Clem and with Nash that Franciscan will not have one in-person class. It's looking uh, pretty bad for my side at this point in time, but I don't think that that is going to happen. Um, I don't agree. Sorry, it's like super humid here, and I'm trying to turn on the fans. I'm dying of heat. <laughs> so you don't think? So you do think there'll be in-person classes this coming fall? Um, that there's going to be in-person classes. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, they're planning to right now. Right. I mean, they have class. Check this out. I went around campus today, and uh, they have this thing called a quarantine room. Where if somebody gets COVID, they like go up and I don't know if it's in go down in J. Sarah or some other place in the St. Joseph Center or something where they have a room where you're quarantined in there for 14 days. Like you can get out to take a shower, you can do your laundry, but then you have to come back into that room. Who would ever want to get tested? If you're going to end up in quarantine room for 14 days, why would you get tested? This is something I talked with Nash about last week. He doesn't want people to get tested. He says, if you have COVID and you think, oh, I kind of have flu-like symptoms, don't get tested. Because the more positive cases we have, the more likely Jefferson County will shut down the school. So okay. you're not going to die. Nash, I don't know, but wait, 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 I'm just going to tell this whole thing. He said, you're All not right. going to die. So just stay at home. Don't worry about it. Tell your professors you're sick. Don't get tested. That's what he told me. All right. <laughs> Nash is saying that because he's vice president and he doesn't want his whole freaking year to go to hell. I mean, I think, I, I think no, Nash, if you're watching this, no, no offense, but I feel like that's kind of the direction that you're going in. Um, we're going to have, there's going to be testing, I think, no matter what. Uh, and listen, this is going to be big. If the whole universe, if one, there's one case on the university, like it's going to get strict and they, the last thing anybody wants to happen is for it to close down. 
Alex, I think it's going to go on for the whole semester. I really do. I think that it's going to happen. I mean, you should see it here. In the Egan, in the communications lab, they have like a panel and they have like different areas. Uh, like they have different, how do I say this? It's a control room and they have like a switcher. They have audio boards. They have things like this. And between each position, they have a big piece of plastic that just separates like the the point is is that everywhere on campus there's all sorts of signs that say things you know six feet wear a mask there's all sorts of different systems put in place to ensure that people are certain you know that there's not as high of a chance of covid coming onto the campus it's really quite remarkable i mean you should see like what they've what they've done here is it's impressive. remarkable in a good way or remarkable in a bad way in a good way in a good way they're they're trying to keep this place open so i mean if Will whatever they're gonna do whatever it takes who's gonna bring the rona who's gonna bring the rona i do not know <laughs> hopefully not me hopefully not you you're coming from cali i'm coming from cali i mean i got sick the other day and then got really well Really soon after, baby, baby, I was sick for about a day, two days. I just felt crappy. Most, uh, my two sisters did, as well as my two brothers. We felt really sick. We're like, I guess we have Rona. And then we got over it and we're back at it. So maybe it was just a cold. And now it's like any sickness you have. Now, I wonder, because last year we had a pretty bad flu season at Franciscan. Like when yeah, the flu did. starts coming bad. around. Dude, last year was so bad. I was so surprised. I got really sick. You know, I still, I I still wonder. Maybe I should get antibody tested if I had COVID in in, uh, February because that was after I came back from the March for Life. And I know in DC there was COVID at the time. So, but who knows? I I got really sick and had a cough. Oh, you remember that? Even at the evolution debate, I would, I had like two cups of tea. I was the chairman, and I was just trying not to cough the entire time as the chairman. So, no, it's probably the flu. But uh, when we have the flu season, I mean, everyone's going to call COVID on the whole thing, which I guess is why they're going to be doing a lot of testing, right? Um, but yeah, there's going to be a flu season coming along. There's going to be other weird diseases, colds, all, all sorts of other stuff. And uh, I wonder if they're going to want people to just to like, I guess they're going to be a lot more lenient if you're sick. You know, maybe you could just, if you really want to skip class, you could just <laughs> claim you're sick all the time, you know? Well, if somebody has COVID on campus, then I might just I might just stay in my house or whatever. I don't know. I don't want to. Yeah, how's attendance requirement going to be? You know. Well, they have, first of all, they have all the classes online already. All the cl- all the classes are going to be live streamed. Uh, which I wonder how the heck they're going to do that because they have need all the cameras. Yeah, that's going to be crazy. I don't know how they're going to do that. I'm going to get some water really quick. So they're going to live stream all of the classes, which is going to be really interesting. Um, And I guess that means if you get sick at all or if you don't want to show up, I I wonder, I guess that means if you don't want to show up, then you can not show up, I suppose, if you think there's a risk of COVID. I guess they can't require attendance. I I wonder if in every syllabus it's going to say we can't require attendance of you. Which is going to suck. I mean... I think that's what's going to happen. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, students want to get their classes done, right? I mean, they want to get enrolled in what they have to. 
they want to be in person. Yeah. Students want so, to, you know, at least our, our students here at Franciscan. Well, I know the people in philosophy and theology do. Cause it's, it's a whole different experience if you're doing online and it sucks. Like we know that from March. Everyone knows that from March, right? I mean, it's true. I mean, the, you know, the common kind of thought around Franciscan is that, you know, we're a culture where we build each other up, you know, in a Catholic culture, we're there for each other. Um, and it's going to be, you know, it's going to be difficult to do that with, um, with COVID because we're not going to see as many interactions. There's not going to be as many people working in places. The CAF is going to be largely limited. Um, the They're JC, at half capacity, right? The, the CAF? Capacity. 345 people, I believe, can be in the CAF, uh, at, which seems like a lot, but maybe that's not a lot. I have no idea. But, I mean, we're going to see it's going to be really, I'm really interested to see how it's going to look because um, it's just going to be, it's going to be super weird. It's going to be interesting to see what it's going to look like, you know, just walking around campus, seeing people wearing masks Some people maybe aren't wearing, wearing masks. Um, I just hope that students really are courteous to other people's needs and that they actually follow the guidelines to the university because Father Dave might have, if he starts seeing these, you know, tendencies around campus of people not following the guidelines and things like that, he might be forced to close it. And that is not what we want. We don't want the university to be closed just because of the ignorance of the students. We would want the university to be closed because of COVID running rampant around campus. We don't mm -hmm. want it because of ignorance. So we're praying that it'll go good. We hope that it'll go good. But this whole COVID thing is just, it's full of surprises and we can't be surprised if something bad happens. We can't. Yeah. I mean, it's, that's why I made my bet is, well, I mean, we, we talked about my bet, which is, I don't think father would, would be, father Dave would be willing to risk a professor death. No. Over and I mean, I'm looking at the, I've, I've looked at the schedule and there's a lot of professors who are quite older who are doing in-person classes. So I guess they're okay with that. Um, but I think it's Nash mentioned last uh, last podcast that it's going to be the first few weeks. First few weeks, we have a bunch of COVID cases. Shut them all down. First few weeks, nothing happens. COVID restrictions are going to less like loosen because um, people aren't just going to follow them so strictly. We're going to see less people wearing masks on campus, more people hanging out, more people in the JC. Like you can't keep kids doing this, you know, total lockdown mentality stuff for, for that long. So it, it's yeah. going to be, yeah. You, like you said, I mean, it's going to be difficult for kids to follow this. I mean, it's just the reality of it. People are going to start to forget like today, literally I forgot my mask probably three times when I had to go. Oh, somewhere. Helen, what forgot his mask guys in chat. Let's uh, roast me. Roast me. Yeah. Ro roast Kellen. Roast Kellen. Um, by the way, we are taking chat, by the way. So, so please leave us something in chat. If you're there, let us know. Let Round us control know. to major Tom. So, you know, the world's in chaos. We got Kamala Harris and Joe Biden running for <laughs> the most prestigious spot that you can fill, in my opinion. But you have two crazies going at it that 
like you said, something that, you know, just earlier that you said, you're wondering if Joe Biden even wants it. I mean, like, you seriously have to question, like, his whole charisma, his, what he's been, you know, promoting, how he's been conducting himself in this, through this whole thing. It doesn't even look like he wants it. You know what I mean? Like, it looks like Kamala, Kamala really wants it. You can see that she wants it. But Joe Biden is like, it just, he doesn't, he's not there. Like Trump said in a recent interview, he's not all there. So we're going to see what happens. It's going to be crazy. You know, the next, just prepare everybody at Franciscan and, you know, around the world. The next three months are going to be a crazy time, especially in the United States. It's going to be crazy. We're going to see what happens. But uh, it's going to be really interesting. There's going to be a lot of just just a lot of new developments that are being coming. So we got to be patient with everything. You know, it's you know I've ne- I've never met anyone with COVID. Um, your parents might have, right? Your parents have definitely yeah. dealt with people with COVID. Some um, information that I cannot uh, disclose. Okay, not not disclosing, <laughs> not disclosing. It's just such a weird. Uh, Okay, I need to stop saying weird time. I say that too much. But um, everything's been so nationalized, right? Everything's so external. You know, we're we're thinking on these things that are at a national level rather than like local stuff, what's going on. And all of a sudden, everyone has to shut down their businesses. And it's not like this particular area has an outbreak. They're making this, you know, it's just. And now with national politics as well, like there's so many local things that happen that completely get um people don't care about their local politics like most people don't know where their who their local politicians are at all and they make big decisions for their locale right like the portland mayor i don't know if you saw the video the portland mayor who went to the protesters and was trying to like appease them and saying i'm defunding and all this type of stuff and he got beat up do you see this or he got called a racist and all this I type heard, of stuff I heard about it. um I, I think with this whole pandemic people have notice their local governors and you know their their local uh politicians a lot more speaking of the jefferson county can completely shut down franciscan university if it wants i hope that they're, they're health officials I, I don't think they will i i the only the only way i see them doing that is if some like 20 cases break out on campus 20 and somebody, so nay said 50 is, is a number uh 50 no, no, man. Seriously, I mean, even a couple, I could see the the Jefferson County shutting down Franciscan. Hmm. I don't think fifty. I think, uh, first of all, Nash is in this little bit of rebellious mood here. He's probably mad that you know a lot of things didn't go his way, which was which was unfortunate. Um, Boohoo! But, you know, like, but like, what are you gonna do? He's he's the VP. So I mean, <laughs> no, we he's love the him. VP of the Franciscan University, and you know. What are you going to do about it? He can't really do much. He doesn't really have any power. Um, but did you hear that the Ohio governor got COVID? It, it was a false positive. He actually didn't have it. Oh, he didn't? Yep. He t- he tested positive, and then he went back for another test, and he was negative. So you wonder how many false positives there's there's been, right? Think about that. What? what so a false a- positive, right? So not these tests aren't infallible. Right, they they can be wrong, so he goes and gets tested. They say he's asymptomatic, and uh, and he has COVID, but it was a false positive. He goes back the next day and he doesn't have it. So, uh, you wonder how many Corona cases we've seen in the United States that are actually false positives. 
person goes one time, says, I have coded COVID isolates for 14 days, says, well, I never developed any symptoms. Right. And that's and that's that. Right. And then they get counted on the millions of people who had COVID. Like, how did we, you know, how reliable are these tests? This is a new disease. There's not like there's studies on whether the test works completely 100% of the time, you know. There could be a lot more false positives than we than we think, right? So imagine this. Here's another scenario. Zero people have COVID. Uh, zero people who are Franny students have COVID when they come to campus. None of them. None of them have it. They uh, Over the course of the semester, a thousand students get tested. Ten of them are false positives. They shut down campus. I don't know. I mean, there could be the fact that the Ohio governor had a false positive. Like, and then that gets reported to the the Jefferson County. Like, it's so fickle. It could seriously just be 10 false positives that could shut down the campus. Or this is another reason why I think Nash is, let's say, semi-right in telling people not to get tested. Do you want to end up in the quarantine room for 14 days? No, I don't. Even if I had COVID, I'd rather just sit at home. I don't want to end up there. Uh, would they force you into that? I I'm really curious about this. You know, maybe what, what more does, do you know about this? Maybe maybe he uh, before I go there, maybe I don't know. Maybe he is right that. Well, I don't know. That's tough. I, I mean, you're gonna avoid. Obviously, you're gonna avoid panic by not doing all that testing, which I, I guess is a good thing. But people, you question if it's moral or not. <laughs> to not test. I mean, because then if you have people that aren't testing and they have COVID and they're spreading it to other people, nobody's going to know. And then that's bad. Okay. So Nash, you kind of, I understand your argument 50, 50, but I think the thing with the quarantine room is like, you cannot leave. I mean, like you can take a shower and stuff, the nearest by shower. That sucks, then you that's back. prison, man. That's a, that's a 14 day prison sentence. I, th- I think that's literally what it is. I, I'm pretty sure I could be wrong. 14 days. Can you imagine though? What the hell? Somebody, has to, your, somebody has to do your laundry for you. <clears throat> Probably burn uh, your clothes. Uh, give you new ones. <clears throat> this is that's insane. They, they literally have quarantine rooms at Franciscan University. And at least, and at least, give them a room with a TV. You know, the room right next to ours and Jay Sarah, we were right next to each other. That was a nice big room that had a TV. Heck, I'd quarantine there for fourteen days. <laughs> wait, wait, are you saying that glass room? Mm-hmm. You mean with the wind? No, they wouldn't quarantine someone in there. They would be like a pet. <laughs> It'd be like a zoo. It'd be like a quarantine think, zoo. No, where do you think? Wait, wait. Put them? I don't know. An empty room somewhere? Maybe they have a room. Well, why now, would that would be hilarious. Room? Imagine a quarantine room, but it's all glass on the outside. You could like look in and be like, oh, look at that <laughs> corona patient. <laughs> uh, they definitely should do that. Maniac. Hey, I might not want to talk too much crap because if I get it, then Dude, we will we will 24 hour live stream from your your quarantine zoo where everyone's gonna be like, Oh look, Kellen has Rona. And like walk by and stuff. We'll do a twenty four hour. Uh, we'll 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 be on either. We'll do another Zoom call. You'll just be in there. I'll be outside the room. I'll be like Kellen. I'll be in there. Me, you know, about the I'll be in You'll there. Be like, you know, <laughs> dude, it sucks, man. Dude, 
you know, uh, COVID is, a, it's such a, it seems to put like everything into perspective because like the last thing you want to happen in a pandemic is there to be mass freaking out. Right. And let me tell you something. When COVID really started getting serious, when they started thinking about tra- shutting down travel and, you know, police following people around outside before it seemed really crazy. I was still working on my thesis here uh, in Steubenville and I was here and I had, I had to be, you know, sent home. And so we had a family group chat and people started to getting people in my family started getting kind of freaked out that I was still there. And of course I have a car. I'm not going to fly home. It's easier to, for me to drive home than fly home. I, I don't mean, it's just, I was like, I have more freedom to do what I want with stuff. So um, people really start freaking out. And I'm just starting to think to myself, like, I still have things to do. I still have my thesis. My We have deadlines each week. I can't skip a deadline. And I have to keep producing my work. I can't do that if I'm going to drive home. It's going to take me a week to drive home. I can't do that. So I had to stay here for a little bit and do more and more work. Eventually I had to drive home and I think my professor gave me like a week or something. And so, you know, I drove home and I got there and I kept on doing my work, but I'm just saying like, my point is, is that life goes on and people have things to do. Yeah. We're in a pandemic right now, but people still have to go to work. People still have to make money for their families. People still have to buy their groceries. They have to get their gas. They have to, you know, have food on, on the dinner table. So life goes on, even though we have this whole COVID crap right now, life goes on as it does and people need to live. It's kind of like the same concept with sports. You know, people are saying, you know, just put the sports back now. And now they're going to start with, you know, the college football, I think, or baseball's back. Padres, baby, we're killing it. We're playing the Dodgers tonight, by the way. It's, we're up two to one. Uh, we're up, sorry, not two to one. We're up two one on the series. Mm. On you, man. Anyways, go ahead. Um, and so the, my point is, is that life goes on and it's just going to stay like this. It's not going to get any different. We're COVID down six, two in the top of the fourth, by the way, <laughs> brick six. Two uh, Dang. Anyways. Yeah. Life goes on, man. And, life um, goes on and, and you can't stop that. It can never be stopped. But Gavin or Newsom. He wants to stop that. Our dearest California governor wants to shut down. I mean, already in San Diego, almost a month ago, they said no in-person classes for any San Diego unified schools. In most schools in California, it's all online again. Like, I don't know. I don't know if people understand the real repercussions of having students at home, kids at home 24-7 for those four months. I mean, already, like my younger sisters who are... um, Know, twins and they're they're seven years old. I mean, they're losing their minds at home, and they need to be continuing their education and reading and learning stuff. Like they can't just get behind by a year, and being home that entire time. I mean, they're going to necessarily get behind. Doesn't matter. California, baby. Who we got in the studio, guys? It's Dan. Muscle muscle builder here, coming in live. I'm not sure who exactly is on. Dude, Sal. Live, man. Yeah, you what's got going it, on, man? Keeping it going, brother. Little by little, a step at a time. Looking you know? good, brother. Looking good. In California. 
Thank you, man. I got I got to keep in shape, man. Dude, I, I'm the beach too much, man. I, I that's the only way I, I stay in California. You know, I do the beach body here in Ohio because I miss California. Just just call like the lake body. <laughs> yeah, brother. Good seeing you. Yeah, man. good Hello. seeing you, Sal. <laughs> Peace. Dude, Cali strong, man. Cali strong. We got to win against, you know, Trump is going to win California. So he's going to win it. 2020. Trump will win. Just if believe hard California. enough. Just believe if, if we all California, got. We just got to. The- by the way, right down the street in Poway, there's two guys who every day have a Trump flag and an American flag, and they're trying to get people to honk. This is this is the parts of country California, man. Country California can be can be pretty good. Poor you know? Cal, dude. I'm telling you, where I come from, it's conservative. So this place is out, like kind of out in the country a little bit. But yeah, there's I, I've seen Trump stickers. I see whatever else. Now, is he going to win California? No, but oh man, we imagine won't. you know, like what? When Reagan, Reagan was uh, what, what did he dude, get California when he dude, was in voted the times for? in the times of Reagan? California was red. It was a conservative state. Just and imagine liberal, that, you know, like L.A. Um, I don't know if you saw on July 4th, they have a no fireworks in L.A. Dude, L.A. was lighting up with fireworks. Dude. It was awesome. I saw that whole thing. I the love enti- that. The, like the entirety of it was just blasting with fireworks. It's yeah. Insane. Um, OK, maybe he didn't win. Um, doesn't look like he won. California, Richard Nixon. At, oh no, that's a Republican National Committee. Uh, I need a presidential. Yeah, no, he won in the the presidential yeah. election. Won California yep. twice. Mm-hmm. Telling you, man, uh, those days. And now we have Kamala Harris, Diane Feinstein, Gavin Newsom. These guys, there, there are Nancy Pelosi. They're now the California, you know, representatives to United uh, United States of America. It's crazy. It's crazy where we're at. They're the, crazy, they're the ones man. pushing the agenda. And next on our agenda, the number one thing we've been w- waiting, dying to talk about this Saturday, August 15th, UFC 243? What is this? I think it's 250. 252? 252, one of those. Daniel Cormier versus Steve Miocic, number three. It's going to be live from Las Vegas, Nevada. Oh my goodness, we're back in the United States, guys. We're not in the UAE, some random ass island. We're back, baby. We're back. Stipe Miocic, Daniel Cormier. This is the third time they're fighting against each other. It's going to be a crazy fight, dude. First one ended in a knockout. Second one ended in a knockout. DC won the first one. Miocic won the second one. Part three, baby. Dude, I'm telling you. So the first time... First time, you know, Daniel Cormier comes in there and he shocks the world, knocks out Stipe Miocic with a nasty elbow kind of under, you know, uppercut kind of shot. And then Stipe waits over a year, preps everything, comes back, is probably not winning the the judges, you know, winning the judges on the second fight, comes in, changes his complete game plan and goes for the body and starts railing DC with nasty body shots. DC eventually gets hurt enough. Stipe, you know, one twos him in the head and just he falls down and, and that's it. And it was just a fast, fast TKO. Now we're going to see the ultimate fight, the probably the, the biggest heavyweight fight, the most important heavyweight and the biggest heavyweight fight in UFC history. Daniel Cormier, probably with his last ever fight, win or lose. 
and and he's going to put everything he has, every last ounce of his body, he's going to put to work uh, on this last training camp. And you know what? The training camp's tough. You know, tough work is over. Fight week is coming to a close. Tomorrow's the last day. Tomorrow they do the weigh-ins tomorrow night, and uh, you know it's going to be it's going to be a war. It's going to be a real, real dog fight that turn because they both want it so bad. They're both hungry now. You know, like DC was hungry. He got all the way to Stipe, knocked him out with that nasty right hand, got real close to him in the first fight and just, ah, got him. And um, right on the chin. I mean, it was a, a perfect right. Just that close. Knocked him out, became the world champion. He was the two title light heavyweight and heavyweight champion of the world. Um, and Stipe spent months and months training to get back. DC fought some other guys two other times, came back, and Stipe just wanted it more and um, switched up his fighting stance. DC had like hit the limelight. He was becoming an announcer. He was doing all this stuff. And he, I was watching in the, the UFC countdown. You know, DC had hit what he thought was just the highest you're ever going to get, and Stipe just wanted it more, wanted to get his title back, and got his title back. And DC is challenging again, trying to get that title. It's going to be going to be a crazy fight. One of the things, I, DC, like, I, I wonder if he's like the most knowledgeable guy who's still fighting in the UFC. I think he is. I, I'm for sure he is. I mean, look, he's like 43 or something. And he's been in so many big fights. He's had so many rivalries. Most notable one with John Jones. And, you know, he... He's had so many, you know, just training camps, one after the other, so many fights. He's so knowledgeable about the sport. He knows all the ins and outs. He knows contracts. He knows training camps. He knows training partners. He knows the UFC octagon. He knows tactics. He knows game plans. I mean, he has seen it all and trains with other partners. One of his training partners, Habib Nurmagomedov, the current UFC lightweight champion, who's going to fight Justin Gaethje soon. And, you know, he is so knowledgeable about the sport. And so is Stipe. And you know what the great thing about Stipe is? Stipe is a firefighter as well. He's a first responder. So he doesn't have to do all the media that a lot of the other guys do. Stipe is relatively a more quiet guy, a man of few words. And, uh, but, you know, he's, he can fight. He's a hell of a fighter. And I honestly don't know who's going to win this last fight. I'm going to pull with Stipe. I think Stipe is going to do it. Why Stipe? Why Stipe? Why do you want to see him defend the the title instead of DC? Well, I'm sad. I'm going to be sad either way because DC is probably going to retire. So that's going to be sad. And part of me kind of wants DC to win this. But I just don't want to see Stipe lose it again. You know what I mean? He fought so hard to get it back. I want him to preserve his title and beat. Cormier to and still so like I want to see I the know. epic DC comeback man I want to see I we're on other sides of this but I want to see DC another knockout versus Stipe solidify and then he can leave and Stipe can take over you know afterwards but, yeah, but he ends you know, a career that was just a phenomenal career right two two title at the same time right light heavyweight and heavyweight He's a fantastic commentator. He's going to continue to commentate. You know, remember the fight? I think he was calling it. I can't remember where he was calling it. It was the, oh, it was the one in Jacksonville. It, oh, it was the it was the Gaethje fight. Gaethje Ferguson. He said literally DC was 
like calling stuff as it was going on and they were making adjustments because they could hear him. He's just that yeah. knowledgeable about MMA. I mean, he knows literally everything about about fighting. It's going to be great to see him continue as a UFC commentator along with the great Joe Rogan and the other guy who I don't know his name. But uh, John <laughs> What's his name? John Anik. Dude, their commentators and the announcers and everyone with UFC make it so much more an experience. Like you can't replace that with you know, like in in the UAE when they had their fight in um that island off the UAE uh, on Fight mm-hmm. Island, it just wasn't the same with those British commentators or whatever. It's just like, come on, I I ain't yeah, listen no. to these guys. It's not the same. It like it's ruins not the, the fight. Same you have DC and you have John Anik and you have Joe Rogan, the three superstars of commentating. It's just not the same, bro. Like, dude, and and there's something about and and you know this with TV production stuff, but like, take Sunday Night Football with Al Collins and uh, with sorry. What's his name? Chris Al Collins. Chris Collinsworth. Al Michaels. Al Michaels. I call him Al. Al Collins. <laughs> just Al <well> Collins. <laughs> but their production is just head and shoulders above everyone else's productions. Doesn't matter what it is. When you watch Sunday Night Football, you're like, this is Sunday Night Football. When you watch UFC, it's not like watching Bellator. It's not watching UFC in another country. It's UFC, and the commentators make it a huge part of what it is. And DC is going to have a long career of doing that. I mean, like Tony Romo as well, you know, in the NFL. When he switched to commentating, everyone loves to listen to to Tony Romo call uh, yeah. call football. I think Phil, I think Philip Rivers is going to do that too when he retires. Mm-hmm. He's going to be in Indianapolis for this year. I don't know if you knew that. Really? Yeah, he's on the Colts. To- who? Sorry, Philip Rivers. Oh, Philip Rivers. He- not not Tony Romo. <laughs> dude. Oh man, I dude, Philip was so great in San Diego, bro. You mean L.A. Chargers now? Fringe. No, he's San Diego. He's San Diego, yeah, bro. It's, it's always San Diego. It's always San Diego, bro. It's stupid they moved. And you know when I go down the 15 and I have to drive past the stadium, I'm just like, tears, man. We should have should have kept him. Padres are doing well right now. Can't complain in that front. Uh, Manny Machado, uh, Tatis Jr., Will Myers. We got a great rotation, too. Uh, Drew Pomerantz has been killing it on closing. He actually went to my high school. Played for my high dude, school baseball that's team. Insane. Yeah, Carville High School baseball. Dude, dude. Shout out Carville High School. Uh, I played on their baseball team. We won state championship the year I was there. Um, it was pretty dope. Uh, Tennessee AAA state champions. I was a freshman and I watched the game, but I did not play in the game. Uh, we had two guys uh, keep going play college, and uh, yeah, Drew Pomerantz playing for the Padres. Went to Carville High School. Graduated in two thousand eight. Proud, proud, and Padres baseball represent wearing their T-shirt for all you audio listeners. So, talking a little bit about the future of this Kellen and Alex show, we're going to be in person again, guys. We're going to be we in are. person uh, coming soon. Next Thursday, I may be traveling. We'll see what what's going on. Uh, I may be driving on that Thursday, or I may not. I may just I may just like jam it through Friday, Saturday, Sunday. By the way, how was your drive? You're now in Steubenville. Dude, the drive was uh, the first part was pretty brutal. I mean, the first fifteen and a half hours to just to get to Colorado. I mean was like did you stop in denver or uh i i saw a friend marita ostrich in denver and then i had some friends in fort collins and i stayed with them uh and so you know it was hard at first because you know my back starts aching and you know my legs are hurting because it's just like i'm sitting in the same position for 500 miles at a time and so like you know it was hard for the first part 
and then, you know, after that I drove to, I did the, I did the worst two parts in a row and I got them out of the way. And the last one wasn't as bad. So I went from Fort Collins all the way to Indianapolis, Indiana. And, uh, that's a long drive, man. I was about 16 hours and that one was just like, Lord God in heaven, if you are there, please let me get out of this car and be in Indianapolis. You know, it's frustrating when you leave at like 4 a.m. and then you get there at like 11 p.m. Oh, man. You want to leave at like 4 a.m. and get there around like 6 or 7, go have dinner somewhere. But when you get there at 11 p.m. and you have to go to the fat-ass McDonald's down the street, you know, like... (laughs) Your favorite, right? All the way from Israel to Indianapolis. You just love McDonald's. It really is your favorite. I got McDonald's like three times on that road trip. I didn't care. I just wanted to. Yeah, at that like, point, you're just like, get me to Indianapolis. I just, I got to get to school. I just need to put something in my system to get me there. Just, just give me something. Some fuel. It's just like filling up with gas. You just get some McDonald's. You know, you know, one point on the last drive from Indianapolis to, uh, to Steubenville, <laughs> I went into McDonald's. I got two, uh, two like big chicken sandwiches, like crispy chicken sandwiches, a large fry, like a 10 piece McNugget and then a drink. And then I ordered it. And then when I brought it out to my car, I just kind of realized how much I ordered. (laughs) 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 I was like, uh, crap. I got a lot of food here. (laughs) Rody dude. It took me like the whole drive to eat it. I, I couldn't eat like with a traffic. I couldn't put a big, sandwich in my mouth while i'm driving i just couldn't do it so like i had to wait to eat my sandwiches till i got here <laughs> but um yeah it was like 20 bucks and i spent like 20 bucks just blew it on mcdonald's i was like you, <laughs> you get a lot of a food for 20 bucks at mcdonald's jeez you want might, might want to be a little more economical with your purchase kellen purchases oh, i have to go get my mountain bike fixed because i just the back end is having some issues some sh- shifting problems so that's probably going to go cost like 50, 60 bucks. I'm Cross country travel is, is no joke, man. Cross country travel. I wonder how many people are doing. Well, you said at Yosemite, there was a lot of people like doing. Oh uh, my gosh. Yosemite was so packed. It was crazy at how packed it was. I mean, <laughs> there, there was a, I told you there was a virus in the hatcheries for the fish. That's why like nobody was catching any fish. In SoCal and Central California, there was a virus going around in the hatcheries with the fish. A virus? So like what type of virus? Like a Rona virus, but for fish. <laughs> what? I know. It's weird. It's super strange. Yeah, I don't get it, but I had to spend like- So no one was sp- catching fish. So it would have been yeah. a great time to catch fish if no one's catching anything. Kind of, yeah. But at the same, we were using everything that we could and we were out in the middle of the lake. We were just running on the shore. There's a $500 kayak that I spent. So like, you know, it's just, that didn't really come to fruition very well. But, uh, you know, I spent probably like 250 bucks on gas on the way here. Plus maybe another hundred with food, 50 somewhere else. I probably spent like good 400. I mean, you just what you got to do. It's what it takes. I put good 2,500 miles on the car again. I've done that trip three times. I've gone across. It's the a US brutal trip, time. man. It's brutal. It's just, it's so far. And I mean, even the plane flight is tough for me. Like from Grass Valley, like from California all the way to, it's like a five and five hour plane flight. And I mean, you know, even that I get tired and sometimes nauseous, but 
you know, when I drive 41 hours to get someplace, you're just like, why do we do this? You know, we have a, we have a running joke in our friend group, my friend group at home. We go, why do we do this? Just like fun stuff, right? Like we wake up at 4am for trips. Why do we do this? I mean, <laughs> I don't know. That's good. I'm a California kid. What do I say? Yeah, exactly. Why am I going to Ohio again? Why do I do this? So how has NHL been going? Because I haven't been following it too much, but what does their season look like? I haven't been following the NHL at all, and they're in the playoffs right now. That's they're right. Doing, they're doing like they're doing the one through eight seed in both conferences. And I was looking at it, I was like, dang, they're doing the playoffs already. So when were the the season would have normally ended in June? Yeah, something like that. I yeah. think the playoffs would have been something like in June. So so right now they're having round one of the playoffs. The Golden Knights beat the Blackhawks today. The What's Hurricanes. So the series is Golden Knights 2-0 oh, above crap. the Blackhawks. Uh, Hurricanes beat the Bruins, so they're tied 1-1. Uh, Flames and Stars are playing. What are all these weird-ass teams? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> didn't didn't There were some teams that got, like, that got booted that were really good. Um, I forget who they were. Uh, do you know if, if uh, San Jose is in? No, San Jose didn't make it. They had a bad year this year. They just... It's sad. The saddest thing for me... The Blues are in. The most difficult thing is San Jose's dynasty, yeah. The Blues are in. Um, Who else? I know that... Uh, the the Lightning, the Blue Jackets, the uh, Avalanche, Coyotes, um, the Islanders, Avalanche. Capitals, dude, uh, these Dallas Stars. The, dude, these are all the strangest teams that are in yeah, the Islanders. seriously. The Coyotes. The mm. Flames? Where the hell is that? Is it Cincinnati? Calgary. Calgary. <laughs> Calgary Flames, dude, it's weird. NHL is really weird this, this, uh, this go around. I wonder if it's gonna be. I mean, the Padres are looking good. You know, like we're one of those weird teams that are like that are uh, that are coming up because, you know, uh, I haven't followed NBA really much at all. I mean, a little bit. I do the the BLM stuff that they do. I just can't watch. Oh, I hate it. I hate I it hate so it. much. Like, and, hate and it. everyone knows. Like, what? No one watches sports to to think about politics. Everyone watches sports to just watch sports and enjoy it. They're not trying to politics. Oh, jeez. Dodgers up 9-2. Bottom of the fourth. Ah, well, anyways. Yeah, I mean, MLB. So we would... uh, Are they still going to have playoffs in September? I don't know. I guess guess that's when they... They played a few games. It's a, you know, all these... and, And, oh, okay. So the biggest debate, and we'll get back kind of on more topic... Um, NCAA football has been the big debate of whether they should have football again. And there's already some conferences who have, who have said we're not having NCAA football, no collegiate football. Yeah. This is a big thing right now is college football. And Trump really wants there to be college football. And he's tweeted it, I know, (laughs) which now means every Democrat in the country wants there not to be, uh, 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 NCAA football. Because Trump has expressed his support for it. Right. Okay, so, I mean, there is the big debate on... Ooh, five hours ago, this is, this is breaking. Uh, the president, NCAA president, Mark Emmert, says, uh, Emmert, rather, we cannot, at this point, have fall NCAA championships. Does that mean there's not going to be a, pl- a playoffs and a championship game? What does that mean? That is weird. I am not sure what that means. 
and you've also I don't know if you've seen there's been a few players who've said un- until these people you know support BLM or something like that I'm not playing. Uh, it's just it's weird, right? So, um, Conference USA, are we playing? I'm I'm Memphis is my team. Uh, we've we've kind of sucked. <laughs> but um, yeah, NCA no fall sports championships. This is from five hours ago. Um, so what does that mean? So does that mean you just arrange a number of games, but they don't lead to you being higher seeded and eventually a championship game? Is that what they're saying? Like no bowl season? I have no idea what that means. Um. Last week, the so this is from uh, the Communist News Network. The NCAA Board of Governors announced that if fifty percent of eligible teams in a particular sport and a particular division cancel their fall season, there will be no NCAA championship in that sport. Okay, so meaning if if fifty percent of teams don't play, then uh, or cancel their fall season, there won't be a championship. So I guess that applies to any NCAA sport. Um, though the NCAA decision puts every fall sport, including FBS football, into a tailspin, it doesn't mean that fall sports simply won't happen. Okay, so this could mean just lowered my chair. <laughs> <laughs> Such a big news, I had to lower my chair. Uh, which means, so if any sport has less than 50% of its teams playing, there won't be a championship game. I guess that makes sense, but that's a weird way to put it. Okay, quote, if schools and conferences want to move forward and try and have it, and more than half of them want to do it, and that's surely the indication now, then let's do it, he said. We can use the fall, as I said, to keep kids healthy, keep them engaged with their coaches and their athletic departments, focus on their academic success. Yeah, right. Work with them and let them practice and stay ready to play. Then let's go compete at that time. So he said, if, uh, so, College football, there's already a number of conferences, I think the Mountain Athletic Conference or something small, that have said, we're not doing football this season. Now, if more than 50% of them, uh, sorry, if more than 50% of them, uh, yeah, say we're doing it, they'll have a championship. If they don't, um, they're not going to have a championship game. But they'll be scattered football games, I guess. That doesn't make sense. I mean, like, because the NCAA doesn't, I guess they don't control whether a school, you know, wants to play this particular team in football or something like that. Right. So if they still want to play the teams in between conferences, fine, but they won't have a championship game and they have to arrange their own bowl games, I suppose. Yeah, I think. uh, And this is all assuming no people in the stands. Can you imagine a Notre Dame football game with nobody in the stands? Oh, my God. We went to a Notre Dame football game. We did, yeah. That that stadium is uh, that's a big stadium. Uh, yeah. So I don't think uh, largely a lot of it comes down to the individual organizations. Like Franciscan is going to continue its tennis and golf, uh, even though baseball and soccer and basketball have all been, uh, you know, delayed. Um, and so like a lot of it is like, I think these schools have the right to do like their own competitions, but I think that in terms of setting up like a big bowl game or something, like, I don't think that they can do that. I mean, because 
I think they're kind of basing their judgment on, um, you know, the safety of people, you know, like what kind of, you know, what kind of crowds is this going to draw if we do a big bowl game like this or something? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. I'm not really sure. We're going to get more answers within the next, I think the next month and month and a half, two months or so on kind of how NCAA is managing this right now, you know, in regards to the specific teams. Um, yeah, I'm not sure though. I don't think that, yeah, I don't think there's going to be like big, well, you know, the interesting was if take a look at the, like the NHL, did you see how there were like no fans in that arena? Yeah. They had like, it was so strange. I've never seen anything like it. They had like big TV screens in the stands. Like it was so strange. Okay. The strangest thing I saw. All right. Uh, this was with, Oh, what team was this? I can't remember now. One of the guys scored a hat trick, three goals, and they had a lady who was part of the staff run down there with hats. Now, I'm not lying. And she threw hats onto the rink. No you guys can way. look this up. She ran down some stairs with like 10 hats in her hand and threw hats on the rink to simulate people in the stands throwing hats on for a hat trick. And then there were two ladies on ice skates who went over and picked up the hats and then went off the rink. I am not lying. This no is way. Welcome to 2020. Oh my gosh. 2020 is going to go down as the year where nobody knew what the hell happened. Nobody knew what the hell hit us. <laughs> We're going to look back in 2020, like next year in like June or something, just be like, what the hell just happened? And we're not going to know how to go forward from here. It's just going to be like, you know, people talk about the new normal, the the Corona is the new normal and the social distancing is the new normal. This stuff will pass, but like this is going to linger in people's memories for a long time. And uh, I don't know how you having and then on all the baseball games, NHL and everything else on the background, they have crowd noise. Like if someone hits a home run, they like turn up the crowd noise like on an audio mixer. And they have those cardboard cutouts and the whole thing. And it's just like. It's crazy. And it goes back to what we were talking about. Like, let people take their own risk if they want to take their own risk. But no one's no one's willing to do that, you know. And so that's going to wrap it up for the Kellen and Alex show. We're hitting on eight o'clock. Kellen Lake. Before we go, before we go, uh, you know, Alex, what is your prediction for Saturday night? Cormier versus Miocic three. Your honest prediction. Remember, this is the probably it's the end ended of in two knockouts so far. These guys are heavyweights. It's something about heavyweights that, that they can land that knockout power and it really knocks somebody out. You know what I mean? Like if you're if you're one fifty five and you put all your weight into a punch, like it, you could knock somebody out who's one fifty five. But there's something different when these guys are like two hundred plus pounds that there's just knockout power. So I was initially going to say. Cormier by decision, but I'm like, I don't know how these guys could go five rounds mm-hmm. and not one knockout the other. So I'm going to go third round Cormier knockout. Knocks Ooh, out. Uh, boy, uh, third round Cormier knockout. Dang. You know who we should bring on the show next week is, uh, my is friend Daniel Enzo Cormier. Cuenca. Let's go. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. Uh, I have a friend, you know, Enzo Cuenca. Yeah. 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 No, Enzo. 
Yeah, he's a big MMA guy. He knows everything about this. We should bring him on next week, you know, in the results. I'm going to go Stipe Miocic round five knockout. Miocic round five round, knockout. Round five. Wow, dude. Right at the round very end. Knockout. We're going to see what happens. We're we'll see. Saturday, that's going to be probably closer to midnight your time, nine o'clock my time, something like that. It's that East Coast thing. You know, East Coast Tringus is ooh. Ooh. The main card starts at 7 p.m. and God knows how long that's going to take. Oh, dude, it's going to take forever. Take three hours. It takes forever, but there's some good fights in there. Junior DeSantos, he's fighting. Who's he fighting again? Uh, I got to look that up. What's on the card? There's this kid named Sean O'Malley. Who Sean O'Malley is an up and coming super. I've watched his fights. He's insane. He's got knockout power. He's got big yeah. knockout power. He's he's fighting Marlon uh, Vera. Yeah. Um, Junior DeSantos is fighting. Uh, Harinzino. I don't know how to say this guy's name. Harinzino Rose Rosenstrike. He's Rosenstrike. Rosenstrike. Yeah. Yeah. Rosenstrike. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that should be a very interesting fight. That's also a heavyweight fight. Uh, we got featherweight Herbert Burns versus Daniel Pine- uh, Pineda. Uh, John Dodson versus uh, Marab uh, Davalshvi. This is all in uh, Las Vegas, man. UFC at the Apex Center. I'm like finally they're back in Vegas they're not in some obscure they're they're in Vegas which is really exciting Vegas is opening up stuff it's great it's all great and you know what's the greatest the Kellen and Alex show we're gonna be in person coming soon we're gonna have some epic guests coming I'm really excited I think we're gonna line up some really cool guests from Franciscan um, especially giving you updates about everything that's going on on campus politics religion UFC everything anything man Kellen and alex show we shooting from the hip but hitting all our targets man every single time and that's gonna wrap it up for us thursdays 6 to 8 p.m the Kellen and alex show your source and guiding light in all these tumultuous times um thank you for joining us on uh on twitch.tv live twitch.tv slash hingus tringus or you can find us on spotify Castbox, apple podcast iHeartRadio, wherever you find your podcast you're going to find us that's going to wrap it up for us. Good night, everybody.